Welcome to the seventh episode of Precise Target's Fireside Chat Zoom series, The Retail Record. In this episode, our COO, Liddy Manton, sat down with Mike Kanji, co-founder and brand director at United by Blue Brands, to discuss the importance of sustainability and retail. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Retail Record. I'm Liddy Manson. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Precise Target, and I am delighted to welcome Mike Kanji here today, who is the co-founder and the brand director of United by Blue. Mike, welcome to the show. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about yourself and the history of United by Blue, and we'll get into our conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you, Liddy. Um, excited to be here and chat with you a little bit. Uh, again, like you said, Mike Kanji. Um, United by Blue is a, a lifestyle brand uh, focused on sustainability. So we have our own line of clothing, bags, accessories uh, that we sell to retailers nationwide, um, as well as on our website. And we have a couple of brick and mortar stores in Philadelphia, which is where we're based. Uh, but then we also uh, sell a collection of products from some of our favorite brands in the sustainability space that really round out uh, the offering. Um, but at the core of everything we do uh, is our mission, uh, which has been with us since day one. We started just a little over, I guess, 11 years ago now. Um, and that mission is that for every product that we sell, we remove one pound of trash from the world's oceans and waterways. Uh, and we do that through company organized and hosted cleanups on an ongoing basis uh, through a variety of different collection means. Um, and to date, we've done over 300 beach and waterway cleanups um, across the U.S. Um, in all 48 of the lower states and removed over 3 million pounds of trash from waterways. So uh, that's something that is very important to who we are as a, as a brand um, and kind of what makes us tick. And I've heard a statistic that the fashion and apparel industry is the largest creator of trash of any industry on the planet. Is that correct? That is true. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's not a pretty industry when it comes to uh, from the full chain, really, from the manufacturing end all the way down to even the packaging that you can imagine uh, getting on your doorstep when you get something from uh, one of your favorite brands. There's a lot of waste created. There's a lot of chemicals used. Um, there's a lot of materials that are used that uh, aren't the best for the environment. And that's something that we've had uh, to kind of fight through this entire time, building a consumer product brand specifically in the apparel space um, that we've always had to look for alternatives and remedies to find ways that we can build a business that is doing good for the environment but not harming the environment during the process. Um, and uh, it's provided a lot of great opportunities um, and a lot of challenges for our product development team to our operations team and our logistics teams. Um, and every day uh, there, there's, you know, you know, there's really no silver bullet to sustainability. So every day there's a new challenge and something else that we can get better at because there are, you know, the, the journey to sustainability, there, there's actually no destination and there shouldn't be. It's always going to be a process where we have to continue to get better and better. Um, and there's nothing that is perfect in the world of uh, apparel or any consumer products, in my opinion. 
Um, so for us, it's really just an evolution and allowing the brand to continue to grow and find new ways that we can advance the, the brand from the product standpoint that can provide our customers with an option that's more sustainable than the next. Um, and trust us that every season we're looking to get better at what we do um, and have less and less of an impact. So tell me a little bit about your roots and the, the focus on sustainability. 11 years ago, Patagonia was sort of the standout brand, certainly in outdoor um, that was differentiating itself by sustainability. When you started, were you thinking specifically about trash? Were you thinking multidimensionally about sustainability? And, and how did you imagine a differentiation for your brand around that um, given what else was in the marketplace and how have you evolved that for the past 10 years? Yeah. So when we started the, you know, the product specifically was really just the means to the end. And, and that focus that we had on ocean pollution was something that was important to us from day one. Um, Brian and myself uh, were always passionate about water um, for different reasons. Brian grew up in Southeast Asia and spent a lot of time uh, snorkeling and kayaking. And I grew up at, in the greater Philadelphia area, spent a lot of time in the water uh, in New Jersey in my summers and both had an appreciation for it and a love for the water. Um, and both also wanted to find a way to build a business that could make a difference. And the ocean was the one clear piece that we both shared and also felt like uh, with pollution specifically was something that was tangible that we could work to fight um, and that's why we associated the mission with every single business transaction the idea of kind of taking that environmental action and tying it to, to every single product transaction was a way that we tried to make it uh, tangible for the customer and at the time you know i was i was 20 uh, and I was still in college at Temple when we started the brand. And, you know, we were just trying to figure out a way to sell things that would allow us to do this work that we wanted so badly to do um, and to make mm -hmm. change while building a business. So it was very rudimentary. And it, I mean, it was far from a, a business, let alone a brand. Our first season, uh, we had four t-shirts and they were organic cotton t-shirts with designs that uh, between Brian and a couple other friends had uh, cooked up the designs for, and we were selling them to basically anybody that would listen to us um, and calling on all the local retailers that we had in our sphere, not even knowing really that long-term we were going to be, uh, you know, aspiring um, to be somebody like a Patagonia um, or that we were going to play in a space it, like the outdoor industry uh, just as a, a t-shirt brand to start with, uh, but always having the aspiration to try to change the world in our own little way. Um, and, you know, shortly thereafter though, that though, um, the season by season, the product offering continued to evolve. Um, the amount of retailers that we're, we're selling to grew the type of retailers that we were selling to started to change and we started to understand that the outdoor industry um, was going to be our home uh, and that was because that's where the customer base was that really understood and understood what we were doing and had the same value set that that we held 
Um, and, you know, we started to develop more product that fit the, that outdoor consumer um, and fit this sustainable lifestyle that we were trying to live um, and live that out through our product design and development. Um, and that kind of took us to, you know, where we are now, uh, almost 11 years later, where uh, we have everything uh, from, you know, socks and footwear to, uh, you know, different apparel and accessories that can outfit somebody even to home products uh, that we would want in our own life that tie back to uh, what it means to live a sustainable lifestyle um, and then all contributing back to that mission uh, since day one. So it sounds like at the beginning, part of what drew you to outdoors is that that's where the customers that valued sustainability were. How are you shifting that now, that marketing strategy now, so that you're using your sustainable practices to attract new customers? And how are you finding them? Yeah, so early on, that move into outdoor, uh, I think, was necessary because of the consumer awareness that was there within that industry. Um, but we've seen a lot of things change in the past 10 years. I mean, even in the last three to five years, the awareness of uh, single-use plastics when you know we were uh, kind of trying to champion that uh, 10 years ago and no one, I mean, there was a lot of people that didn't even know what organic cotton was when we were talking about our organic cotton t-shirts and why we were selling a $30 t-shirt at the time that no one could understand why in the world anybody would pay 30 bucks for a t-shirt. Um, and, uh, the consumer has become a lot more educated and is no longer a niche consumer. Um, and it is becoming mainstream. That's one of the things that I think is really exciting and gives me a lot of hope and kind of faith in the trajectory of sustainability um, in our industry and in apparel is that a lot of this is being driven by the customer, although we may be pushing uh, a brand like ourselves or a brand like Patagonia um, and so many of the other companies and brands that we carry on our website are helping to push that consumer forward and, and um, introduce new and kind of like and novel ways to address common products. At the end of the day, uh, there's there there was a much larger gap than than there is now, and it's not uncommon to run into somebody that you know doesn't opt for a straw when going out to dinner or brings their own bags with them uh, to a grocery store. When ten years ago, that was that was weird. That was the that was the hippie in the group that was saying no to the plastic straws, and that's kind of who we've always been. Uh, but we weren't that hippie. We were this. We were a mainstream customer in a lot of ways, but we had values that were a little bit different than what the the times were. Um, and I think that what we've seen recently is that as we continue to build product, you have to build product that is good product from a design standpoint and from a quality standpoint, because at the end of the day, you can't compete on just the sustainability aspects of your company. Um, and you, you know, we can hit people over the head with it all we want, but 
our mission is just the cherry on top. That's not the reason, that's not the first reason that they're going to buy from United by Blue. It first has to be, it has to kind of check the box of what the customer is looking for. You know, if they're going to be looking for a button up shirt, well that we have to compete with J Crew, and we have to compete, right. compete with um, all of the other mainstream options that there are out there for shirting. Um, and I think once we realized that as a brand, and it, it wasn't off the bat, it took us a couple of years to really understand how we needed to meet this customer to pull them to where we wanted to, to ultimately get them, was that we have to meet them with great product first and foremost. And um, as we started to do that, um, the line began to evolve and we've continued to become more, I believe, approachable and mainstream in a good way. And when I say mainstream, it's that, you know, I think that if you go into, you open up United by Blue catalog, or if you uh, go onto the unitedbyblue.com website, there's truly something that most people in our target demographic are going to find and fall in love with. And then there's uh, even fringe products, home products, and uh, things that even if you're not at the center bullseye of our target market, there's something that's going to resonate with you and simply on a product level. Um, but then by buying from United by Blue, you know that our team has vetted that product, has vetted that brand, has vetted the manufacturer um, and everything that went into it to kind of give our stamp of approval. Because anything that you're going to buy from United by Blue, whether we make it or not, uh, we stand behind. Um, and we stand behind in the fact that we believe that they're doing their absolute best to provide products that are having the smallest impact possible on the environment and on society. These are the brands that we want to see be this future of the, the entire economy um, in the long term. Because we have, we've always held this belief that there is power in the consumer and there's power in the businesses as well. And in, in that power comes a responsibility, I believe, to do the right thing. And there's a lot of businesses. That's not how business was originally built. That's not how uh, capitalism was originally constructed. You know, it was it was about uh, making things to sell and to sell as much of it as possible. And it was about the shareholders and it was not about the stakeholders. And there's so much more involved. And if we want to have, you know, uh, a future for our kids and our grandkids, that can go enjoy the same places and that we've enjoyed and all these great um, outdoor activities that we've grown up um, appreciating, then we need to make sure we protect these areas. Um, and I think that business has a lot of uh, say in how we get there, but then the consumer also has that final vote with their dollar. Um, and we are seeing more and more customers continue to vote for sustainable products over the mainstream, which is exciting. So let's talk about that because you talked about um, your competition, you talked about your target demographic. How are you, um, obviously you don't have to give away trade secrets, but how are you mapping your marketing strategy against this? Where are you seeing um, sort of momentum pulling you and where are you still pushing and and how, how are you, um, using data and analytics and some of the tactics in the market to figure out who your best customers are going to be and how to reach them with this particular message. Yeah. So we've been targeting in as odd as it may sound uh, to be 
you know, an outdoor brand. And I don't necessarily classify ourselves anymore as just an outdoor brand. I think we're a lot more than that. We're, you know, I I truly believe we're a sustainable lifestyle company um, and everything that we do. And that's what comes first. Um, But as we've evolved, we've uh, began to look more at this urban millennial consumer. And that has been our core uh, for the past five or seven years. Um, And that, that is, the key to a lot of what we are looking for when we are finding new brands and building new products is how do we appeal to that uh, customer that lives in a city or an urban area because of the conveniences, but also because of the sustainability aspects of being in an area where you can walk or bike to your place of work. Um, And these are people that are oftentimes not your traditional uh, hardcore backpacking uh, outdoorsmen, but they're your people that are nature lovers and they're getting out, whether it's a walk with a dog or getting to a state park on the weekends. Um, they're people that appreciate the outdoors. Um, they may not live nine to five every day in the outdoors, but they're people that are venturing there. Um, and uh, what we've seen with that customer is that it's grown to a, a point now where they're not just looking for clothing or accessories for those outdoor adventures, but they're looking for products that can bring their values into their home as well. And one of the fastest growing categories that we've had uh, in the past year even has been our home category um, and our sustainable living category that we now have on our website. Um, and we've continued to add it, add new brands to, and we've continued to develop new product into this idea of uh, zero waste living or a quest to zero waste living. So uh, everything from reusable straw kits to, you know, different types of hydration and stainless steel drinkware and bottles. Uh, we have a meal kit, a utensil kit, all things that are meant to take on the road with you, put in your car, put in your purse, um, to have with you at all times to help you avoid the somewhat commonplace uh, everyday single-use plastic uh, experiences that our our customer runs into. Uh, And that's where we've seen a lot of success and a lot of growth. Um, And we've also, uh, and like I said, how that applies then back to home, Um, And even probably accelerated right now because of the pandemic and more people being at home is that people are being much more intentional with their purchases uh, in total. And I think that applies to all categories. But with the home category, we've seen a lot of success with brands that uh, resonate with people who are spending more time at home. So you're uh, everything from candles and coffee makers to uh, the drinking vessels that they're using at home. Uh, They are not just looking for anything that they can find on Amazon, but they're instead looking for brands that are intentional about the design and intentional about the manufacturing and the sustainability of those products. And that's where we're seeing a lot of success right now. And I think that this is where the the future of this segment is going to continue to grow as well as uh, these everyday alternatives. We have some amazing brands right now that we carry, uh, like Stasher Bags, who have an alternative to the standard plastic bag um, for food storage or uh, Uh, There's another cool brand called Marley's Monsters that we uh, just launched the other week who has 
my wife and I have been using them for a couple of years now, but they're an alternatives to conventional paper towels. They're reusable towels. And these are things that are becoming more and more common um, and I think can be the future um, of some of these throwaway industries that we've come to live on. Yeah, I, I always joke with my kids that my, my mother was a old, crusty, depression era New Englander, and we had zero waste in our house because she was too cheap to buy plastic bags. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a skin flint element as well. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit, so as you, as you scale, as you work with mass merchants, how are you managing um, monitoring your supply chain and the sustainability of your supply chain as you grow? It's a big challenge for a lot of brands curious to hear how you all are going about it and how you communicate that out to your customer base. Yeah, I mean, it gets more and more challenging the larger uh, customers that we begin to work with, specifically on the, the wholesale end of things where we're selling to, um, you know, Nordstrom, to REI, to uh, Target uh, that we have launching in a few months. Um, the requirements and the norm of a lot of these retailers is at odds with what we believe in from a sustainability perspective in a lot of cases. And uh, there's, you know, there, there's some, there's been some pushing that we've had to do, quite frankly, um, in order to make sure that we're able to continue to uphold our values um, as we continue to grow the business. Um, and it's not been a, an easy battle. A couple of years ago, um, every year, uh, in June, uh, one of our favorite holidays is World Oceans Day, um, and one that we typically celebrate with a cleanup. Um, or in a, a couple of years ago, we announced uh, our plastic usage as a company um, and a pledge to quit single use. Um, and it was something that we urged our customers to kind of follow us on that journey of. Um, and it was a transparent moment as well where we leading up to that June, we actually did a, a full supply chain audit to understand what our plastic usage was in the company uh, at all phases. So everything from uh, the worst, which is plastic poly bags, which are um, very, they're ubiquitous in the apparel industry. And that's how almost everything is transported, which are the little plastic bags and every single piece of clothing that you're typically touching on a retail shelf was once in, uh, even if it was only for a month or two, um, and it's typically thrown away or uh, not able to be recycled because they're not uh, typically, uh, you're not able to recycle them in most municipal uh, recycling streams. Um, down to the, the smallest of things like, uh, they're called Swift tags, but you've seen them before. They're, they, they attach to the side of a, of a shirt that hang, hangs a hang tag on it. And they're little tiny pieces of plastic. But when you're selling hundreds of thousands or millions of units of uh, product in a year, that plastic is no longer inconsequential. And then when you start to think about, you know, every other brand at whatever retailer you're shopping with, that's a lot of plastic that we are effectively wasting. Um, and there, there were seven key areas, I won't go through all of them, but that, that we identified as key contributors to the plastic waste that we were actually contributing to this. And it was a kind of clean, come clean moment with all of our customers where we said, here's all the waste that we're going to create. And I believe it was 2018. Um, and here's what we're going to do about it. And uh, part of that commitment was we need to reduce 
our plastic usage and eventually get to zero. Um, and a couple years later, we're not there yet, but we're about 95% plastic free in everything that we do uh, from beginning to end in the manufacturing, transportation, warehousing, shipping, logistics process, where we've been able to strip out uh, the vast majority of the plastic that we're using. Um, and that's where you start to create issues upstream. So as a brand, we can make those commitments and we can make those commitments to our customer, uh, our direct to consumer customers, our end line customers, but where you start to hit the roadblocks is with uh, your warehouse. You know, our warehouse in the US that's uh, a third party logistics center in California that has historically always received everything in plastic poly bags. And they're concerned about the safety of the garments and items getting damaged that we're gonna then potentially hold them liable for. Um, and then you're having conversations with your retail partners that their expectation is that you are sending things in plastic poly bags. Um, they have certain labeling requirements that may say you need to have a swift tag that attaches your hang tag and it has to be in this position and the standard once again is is plastic there um, so those are the conversations where you know we've been fortunate with partners like rei and a lot of our other uh, outdoor merchants who have really embraced these changes but we've received pushback from other uh retailers i'm not going to name names but i think that that's, that's just uh part of this change that we need to push for as brands um, in this industry is that just because it's the way that we've done things doesn't mean that it's the way that we should do things. Um, and we're slowly but surely starting to see those concessions come a lot more easily than we did uh, five or 10 years ago. If we were to t tell a retailer that, hey, we're not shipping your product in poly bags, here are some solutions for you to figure it out on your end. This is how we've handled it in our warehouse. We believe you can make this work and it's important to us. Um, they would have told us, okay, well, we don't need to buy from you guys, but now it's a real conversation. And I think that uh, it's not just brands like United by Blue. There's, there's dozens of other brands out there that are helping push this forward. Um, but there are issues that we really strongly believe in. And it's gonna take brands um, to continue to push and really consumers to push for brands that have that hold these values to make the retailers change um, and to help change the, the industry as well. Um, so it's been, uh, it's not an easy road. And it's like I mentioned to you earlier, it's a constant evolution because we're not there yet. We're not at 100% plastic free. I wish we were. Um, and that's where we need to get to um, as a brand. So we can then have a script that we can share with other brands um, to tell them this is how to do it. Um, and Yes, it may seem daunting, but it's possible. And yes, it may seem more expensive at first, but in the long run, I think that we are starting to see uh, areas where we're actually finding savings. Um, and we're also at the same time building the product that our customer truly wants because it is from beginning to end meeting their criteria and, and their expectations and plastic free is becoming more and more of an expectation of our core, you know, that, that center of the bullseye customer for us. So the more that we can do to give them confidence in everything that we are doing as a brand, uh, the more loyal that they're going to be and the more repeat purchases we're going to see from them. And I think that that's what you have to do is you need to look at your core customer and figure out really what makes them tick and how to make sure that you can keep them long-term and their needs are going to continue to change. And that's what we're seeing. You know, what organic cotton was great 
10 years ago, but that's not the cutting edge. That's not moving, you know, sustainability forward. What other, you know, what other sustainable materials are we using? You know, our, our manufacturing standards have changed and they've had to change and, and they'll continue to change to make sure that we are doing everything in our ability to ensure that the end line product was made by the best people possible in the best working conditions possible. Um, and down to shipping, you know, are we, how are we handling our shipping and logistics? Are we minimizing uh, the amount of time that it's in the air? Um, are we eliminating as much plastic as possible, eliminating as much packaging? Because just because we're sending something in a recycled paper mailer doesn't mean that there's still not waste associated with it. So like, how do we continue to um, have less and less waste? We just introduced a new returns um, process uh, a few weeks ago, actually, where we're partnering with a, a company called Happy Returns, where you can now uh, drop off your items, your United by Blue items, to one of the hundreds of Happy Returns locations and kiosks, and they actually just partnered with FedEx, I believe it is. Um, so you have a nationwide opportunity now to just bring your United by Blue item that you want to return directly to FedEx, no packaging needing, drop it in there, and then they they aggregate them and bulk ship them back to our warehouse for us. And once again, we're cutting down then on waste in general. So um, it's really just meeting the needs of that changing customer and making sure that we are in lockstep with them in terms of what they are expecting and where they're going. Have you, are you looking into um, allowing your customers to sell used clothing on your site? Have you, Hannah Anderson does that Hannah me down. Mm -hmm. Um, are you looking into programs like that to um, increase reusability within your customer base? We are. So not specifically having customers sell things, but those are active conversations that are going on right now with the team. I, there's a lot of, you know, I mentioned transparency a little bit. I think that transparency is, you know, sustainability, I think, has evolved a bit to now this demand for more transparency and with that evolution is end of life. And that's what we're talking about a lot of right now is what the product life cycle looks like and recognizing that, you know, once we've sold a, a piece to a customer, where does our responsibility really end and where should it actually end? Um, and thinking about what happens to that pair of socks or to that shirt after a couple of years and making sure that we're not then contributing to the landfills. Um, we're not contributing to any of the pollution that we are eventually picking up on beaches um, and in waterways. Uh, and I think one of the ways to do that is to figure out how to use what we already have, whether it's United by Blue product that's being repurposed um, and kind of reconstructed and resold or what consumers already have in their closet. So yeah, that's something that we are talking about right now and trying to figure out how that's going to become part of our strategy. But um, it's something even early on that we, you know, probably we just didn't have quite enough customers and enough product to get there, but we right. actually introduced a recycling program uh, year, year two, I believe it was, where we actually printed a recycling kind of logo and then had a deposit on every product that we sold where we were actually kind of like a bottle deposit where if you, sh if you sent your t-shirt back to us, we would give you 50 cents. If you sent a bag back to us, I think we would give you two or $3. Um, and we just didn't have enough mass of uh, product or customers at the time to, to build anything that was 
really meaningful, but uh, ideas like that are being discussed among our, amongst our product team. And we have kind of a, an internal sustainability task force uh, that is focusing on quit single use, which I mentioned to you, our, our move to be plastic free. And they're discussing items just like this to figure out uh, end of life and how we can continue to complete the chain and make sure that, you know, product gets a second life and is not ending up in landfills. So last question. Um, you've talked a lot, it sounds like plastic is a, is a big focus for you mm -hmm. right now. As you look forward to 2021 and 2022, what are the emerging sustainability issues on the horizon and how, how are you setting yourselves up to lead the industry? Because you're, you're definitely setting standards that are not mainstream, um, that a lot of uh, sellers talk about and haven't implemented yet. H how are you leading and, and what do you think the issues are that you need to lead toward? Yeah, so plastics are definitely at the forefront of things for us, but we're also looking a lot into the different types of fibers that we're using in a lot of our, a lot of our product. Hemp in the past year has become one of our number one uh, materials that we're turning to less water usage um, to create it. It grows faster than cotton um, and the ability to recycle it um, is high as well. So we, there's a lot of, we, we, our product team has a lot of excitement around hemp right now um, and natural materials in general um, that, you know, we, we use recycled polyester um, quite frequently in our line, but we're moving away from it uh, for a lot of things that are next to skin um, things that are going to be laundered because that you know again tying back to plastic but it's one of those you know plastics are are great for a lot of uses but we've just bastardized the use of plastic and how mm -hmm. uh, you know we've taken something that was meant to be long-term sturdy and durable and made it disposable and the same thing goes with how polyester and other plastics have been integrated into the apparel industry is that it's used as a cheaper alternative to a lot of different natural fibers. And there's some performance attributes and things like that, that, that may be legitimate. But at the end of the day, what we're working to do is move any of the recycled polyester, even in our line into products that are outerwear focused, that are bags and accessories, things that you're not going to put through the laundry because the microplastic conversation is becoming more and more common um, where again a few years ago people didn't know what microplastics were it's now something that is becoming more common household discussion is um, you know what are you doing do you have a guppy bag for uh, for your laundry are you putting a filter on to make sure that you're not um, allowing microplastics um, into the wastewater uh, stream so that's something that we're focusing on and moving more and more to natural fibers um, for anything that's going to be laundered and I think that that's going to be something that's increasingly important uh, over the next couple of years. Um, and then this goes along the lines too of what we were talking about with transparency, but um, that I believe is the next phase uh, of uh, sustainability for not just United by Blue, but for the industry is in order to be truly sustainable, you have to understand all of the components that go into a product. And it's not just the materials, but how things are manufactured, by who they're manufactured. And then we talked a little bit about transportation and packaging. And those are all, that, that's the full picture. And right now, uh, you're not getting clarity on that full picture from many brands. Um, and even from United by Blue, I don't think we're doing enough uh, to show customers all of the different components of that product's 
uh, life cycle to get to their doorstep. And that's one of the things that we're working on. And I think that more and more brands you'll see move towards and as customers begin to expect it a little bit more um, and want full transparency on where their dollars are actually going. Um, and uh, I, I think that that's what's uh, exciting about this customer that we're talking to and exciting to see that this customer base is growing because uh, if we can get more accountability from brands, then we do have the opportunity for a more sustainable future. Well, thank you. It was great having a conversation. Um, this is a topic that is very dear to my heart. I've been on the board of a nonprofit for 10 years that works on sustainability and supply chains. There's a lot of work with apparel, a lot with consumer electronics. So it's wonderful to see. And, and I've been doing it for 11 years. And 11 years ago, it was the exception <clears throat> that had the attitude that you guys have. So it's great to see the progress that you've made. And congratulations. I'm very excited about seeing what you do going into the future. So well, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, thank you, Liddy. It was uh, great to chat with you today. Thanks for having me.